Welcome to the Monday edition of Coach Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. You can find me on social media, Twitter and, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show at CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music for the show is provided by Wasted Talent. The Great Cup is set. Another week in the NFL, just about in the books. We have one of the games of the year coming up this week and massive changes to a couple of franchises in the National Hockey League. So quite a few things to get to on the program today. So let's get to it. And we will start with the Canadian Football League. As the Grey Cup is now set, it is the same one we had the last time we had a Grey Cup back in 2019, as it will be Winnipeg tanking on Hamilton in the 108th Grey Cup. The difference this time being that the game is in Hamilton. The team I focus on the most is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we will start the day by focusing on them. And this one is going to come down to a game of missed opportunities. You force a team that hasn't turned the ball over basically at all this season into six turnovers, five of them in the first half, and you come away with a 10-7 lead in the first half. That is borderline inexcusable. That that cannot happen. It, it was, and look, Winnipeg's defense is extremely good. We knew this going in, but... You can't have that from a Saskatchewan standpoint. I, I thought, as much as Cody Fajardo talked about the weather after, and that bugged the hell out of me. I understand it sucked out there, right? And, like, the, the weather possibly played a factor in all of the turnovers for, for Winnipeg, but you can't use weather as an excuse when you are playing in a Canadian championship. Like, it's... Here's the the fun little note here. It's never going to get better in November, at least not for a while until global warming really takes a hold. But by the time that happens, if it, if it ever gets to the point where it's really fucking nice in Winnipeg in December, we probably have bigger problems on the planet anyway than a Canadian football championship. So, hmm. But no, like weather is always going to be a problem. It's always going to really suck here. Unless all of a sudden every team puts up a dome, which um, Winnipeg Stadium is very new. The stadium you play in, very new. It wasn't fantastic weather a week ago, and you seem to be okay with that, although a few too many turnovers, but you seem to be okay with it then, so why is it, why is it an excuse now? I hated that from, from Cody Fajardo. There were throws that if he makes, this team is playing for a championship. That is, these are the agreed upon, uh, agreed upon facts of the case. That throw to Duke Williams, I don't care what the wind is, you should be able to make that play where Duke Williams is wide open. And there was a few of those. Like, he, he is just... We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He's not a deep ball thrower. He likes to think he is, but he's definitely not. And his complaint about 50-50 balls a few weeks ago, some of his receivers would have killed for 50-50 balls on Sunday. They're, they're just... It was a bad game for him. I, I did not like what I saw from Cody Fajardo. And it's, again, what we talked about going in. As soon as he hit the top of his drop, or like three-step drop, boop, 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 if that ball wasn't coming out, I got stressed out. And more often than not, it didn't end particularly well for this football team. So I I put most of this loss on Cody Fajardo. I don't think he played very well, and I don't care what excuse you have for it. If this football team is going to take that next step, Fajardo needs to be the one taking that step along the way. 
Another part of this game that I thought was a real missed opportunity for Saskatchewan was there There was not nearly enough involvement of Shaq Evans and of Duke Williams. And I get Evans and Fajardo have not been on the same page since Evans came back. And part of this is Winnipeg could be. Again, we don't have access to the All-12 here, so I, I can't really say for sure. But if it's Winnipeg taking Evans and Williams out of it, then you have to scheme away to, to get them back into it. But it, it just, you can't be throwing to Picton with the season on the line. You, you can't, like Keenan Schaefer-Baker has had a couple of big moments. He can't be one of your leading receivers in a game. You need those two guys, when the, the game is on the line, those need to be the guys that you are focusing on and maybe even forcing it to a little bit because... They are the ones who are going to be making the big plays that potentially guide you toward a championship. But I, I thought, I mean, defensively, the team played fantastic. Um, especially, I mean, the cover unit, obviously, you forced six turnovers. They were attacking the ball all game long. You get a break on the Nick Dembski one, and Ganey just ends up being in the right spot, which he kind of seems to always be. I thought the secondary played very, very well. Run defense, they played about as well as you could expect when you have the bowling ball that is Andrew Harris barreling towards you. I think this game could have been an interesting discussion about rest versus rust if Winnipeg loses it. Now, they come away with the win. I, I think, to a man, they will tell you they did not play nearly well enough in that game. The way Saskatchewan was playing, it shouldn't have been that close, to be perfectly frank. But uh, I think you're going to look at this. like Again, Winnipeg has barely played meaningful football over the last couple of months, and some of their guys have barely played at all over the last month. And they looked like it in that first half, especially in that first half. They come together a little bit more in the second half, and that's when things start to, to really pick up for Winnipeg. But I... I have always been on the side of rest. I, I think these guys beat the hell out of each other um, on a, a weekly basis, and having fresh bodies in meaningful games is probably always the way to go. But holy crap, did this look like a rust team yesterday. Some teams handle it better than others, but man, oh man, did that look bad. We'll have time to talk about the, the Grey Cup combatants, so I do want to just close the book on the, the two teams that lost, so that was the rider portion of it. For the Argos, not a great week for organizational control in Toronto, is it? First, you screw up the thing with the Raptor game, where five of you guys went to a basketball game that you probably shouldn't have known that they shouldn't have gone to. Then, you have a very poorly coached game that costs you a chance at a championship. And then, your quarterback shows his whole ass by throwing a camera dude around... And then your whole team goes in. Well, not your whole team, but too much of your team. One is too much. But then your whole team goes into the crowd and starts to get into it with fans. This was an absolutely embarrassing week for the Toronto Argonauts from the top down. The organization definitely shouldn't have known that they couldn't go to the Raptor game. Ryan Dinwiddie definitely should have known that they shouldn't have been kicking field goals in that spot and instead been going for touchdowns. Um, I don't care how frustrated you are. Don't throw camera guys around. Like, I understand. It, it Rare are the moments where any of us in life have our biggest failures broadcast to the world. You know, like, that. that's just not... That's not how this goes. So, it's easy to sit on a high horse and say, well, don't throw camera guys around. Because, like, when, when I got laid off, I didn't have a camera dude in my face. Like, oh, wow, how does that feel? I, I still would like to think I didn't, I wouldn't throw the guy to the ground. Like, 
you are in a rare spot of playing professional football. And if you want to do like a deeper CFL dive and what TSN means to the Canadian Football League, we could definitely go there. But like you, you have the privilege of playing football. And one of the reasons why you get paid as well as you do, certainly not as well as, as your counterparts down south, but still uh, better than most, I would suggest. The, the reason you get that is because of the exposure, and there is a downside to that. It, it doesn't all just get to be sunshine and rainbow. Sometimes you have to just hold it in for a couple of minutes before you go to the locker room instead of throwing a camera dude around. And sometimes, even if fans are being ridiculous, and look, there is no excuse for, for poor fan behavior, but you have to be the bigger person. in those. It's like we talked about with Lemon last week, where it, getting spit on, you just, you have to keep your composure in those spots. And I I lost a ton of respect for McLeod Bethel Thompson um, with the way he handled the, the cameraman in in that moment. I thought that was, I thought that was terrible. And it, it kind of showed the pressure that this Argos team was under, right? Because this was, this was kind of a big year for them. What we all, I don't know if many people kind of put that pressure on the Argos coming in. It was just, oh, look at the Argos. They're spending a lot of money. Isn't that hilarious? But then you, you look at, all the money that was spent going into this season and all the talent that was on that roster, this was supposed to be a team that had more success than they did. And this was supposed to be a team that was playing for a championship, not just playing for a chance to play for a championship. So th this is a major missed opportunity for Toronto. And now you look at the spot that they put themselves in with the Arbuckle trade. And it's the reason I didn't love the Arbuckle trade for Toronto to begin with. You now have a roster of veteran players who are all one year older. You have a spring football league that I would imagine a few of these guys are going to go to try out in. And you have a quarterback who's now going to be 34 years old the next time the Canadian Football League plays. All of that screams, you probably should have taken care of business this year. Um, from an, an X's and O's standpoint, I thought this was a real debacle from Ryan Dinwiddie. I thought, and they brought it up a lot, that this isn't a, a unique opinion, but... To, and this is something that plagues Saskatchewan a lot this season, and it happens way more than it should in the CFL. If you get inside the 10, you can think about it. Inside the 5, it should be automatic that you're going for it on third down. You have a 20-yard end zone to play with. I think you should be going for it in the NFL when you only have a 10-yard end zone to play with. But you got 20 extra yards to have guys running around in. You have, like... MBT isn't the most mobile quarterback. Saskatchewan has Fajardo who can run. That's why I, I've never understood why they're so conservative on third and short situations. There was a couple, they were a bit more aggressive in the West final, but even then there was a couple, I was like, you know, if you just went for it, but you, you have Eric Rogers, who's one of the more reliable receivers in Canadian football league history. You have Foster who had a very good game running the ball for, for Toronto. And you have a quarterback who's pretty accurate. I, I just, all of that points to you need to put points up on the board. And they didn't. And it, it I think, directly cost them. It at least cost them in the, the dying moments when things could have been closer in that game. It, it just, major missed opportunities, potentially a learning note for, for Ryan Dinwiddie, and I think for coaches across the Canadian Football League, that th this is... This is a, a league and a sport that I think requires you now to be a little bit more aggressive when you are down around the goal line. So, to the teams that were victorious, we will start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is not a surprise that they are in this spot. That This is kind of where they were supposed to be. It is a fantastically constructed football team. You have the best running back, probably the best player in the league, in, in Andrew Harris. Um, and I get 
there is some frustration about how maybe he got to that point and, oh, wow, he's just getting better with age. Hmm. Tested positive for something, did we? I'm not saying that's what's happening now, but the, the dude is a tank. And however he got there, the on-the-field results are what they are. He is an absolute monster. And just single-handedly carrying this Winnipeg team. You have a very reliable athletic receiving core, but this game, make no mistake about it, was won in the trenches. There were holes that Andrew Harris was running th running through that any running back in any level of football would have been able to, to hit and get five yards on. The, the offensive line did a phenomenal job. And that defensive line, they limited the run game for Saskatchewan, and they were pretty clearly in Cody Fajardo's head all game long. And a couple of times they were in his face and forcing the ball to come out. But th this was an impressive defensive attack for Winnipeg. And I, I think it all starts from the trenches. We'll get into more of Winnipeg as, um, as this goes along. But they, they are such a well-built football team and a, a team that is so talented they can turn the ball over six times and still come away with a win. For Hamilton, what a game for Dane Evans. And I have very much been Team Masoli throughout this entire season. And I don't know if there is a quarterback who has a wider range of outcomes than Jeremiah Masoli. Because that was not a good performance on Sunday out here morning. It, it was it, he, he was just bad. And <laughs> quarterbacks who are capable of being that bad aren't capable of being as good as he is. You know, like, at Masoli's best, he could be the best player in the CFL. Maybe that, that time is behind him now, but we have seen, I think, in the past, this be a player who, when he is at the peak of his powers, he's better than everybody. But we've also seen, when it's off, it spirals quick, and he is unplayable. And Hamilton gets Dane Evans into the game, they get a, a big return, that was uh, the TSN turning point, and that really sparked this team. But the, the big key was that defense showing up in the second half, and they showed up in the red zone, and then they just showed up everywhere. And credit Toronto, because the, the Toronto defense played much in the way that I thought Hamilton needed to, to win that game. They absolutely smothered the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the first half. Um... But then Hamilton's defense comes out and does that exact same thing in the second half and really frustrates Toronto. And again, you saw the end result. I A lot of times, playoffs are just a tournament. I don't know if a, a playoff to decide a champion really show, okay, well, this was the best team in the league this year, I guess. Huh, would you look at that? But I do think that we end up with the two best teams in the Canadian Football League doing battle in Hamilton this weekend with the Arkells performing uh, around it. So it should be a great time out in Ontario as I'm, I'm excited for this Grey Cup. Again, like I said, I think we have the two best teams in the Canadian Football League going head-to-head -head in this one, and I'm, I, I'm very excited for this game. Moving into the National Football League. It is week, what are we in, week 13? Uh, yes, it is week 13 in the NFL. And again, we're going to have back-to-back -back winning weeks. It looked like it was going to be a major winning week for us this week. But uh, instead, we are 7-5 going into the Monday Nighter, so let's just rapid-fire our way through some of these. Arizona, you saw what you wanted to see. The, the offense looked good against a bad Chicago defense, so you feel good about what Arizona was able to do. They cover 7.5. That's what we thought they were going to do. Indianapolis gets the job done against Houston. Don't think there's a lot that needs to be said about this one. Indy covers the minus 10. We had Cincinnati Moneyline against the LA Chargers. And this is why the Chargers are so damn frustrating. This was a very important game, and they came out and they 
played so well. And Cincinnati didn't, to be fair. But I do think part of Cincinnati not playing well was LA playing well. Again, we talk about it's not many people are going to make the Jeremiah Masoli to LA Chargers comparison today, but they're kind of like that when they are playing at their worst. They can lose to any team in the NFL. When they are playing at their best, they can beat any team in the NFL. I still think this is one of the most talented teams in the league. They have an obvious weakness um, in in run defense, and I thought Cincinnati didn't quite do enough to take advantage of that. Now, when you're down by a boatload early, it's tough to do that, but I, I still thought that there was more that Cincinnati could have done in the run attack. The, these two teams are in that middle spot in the AFC where it's tough to get a real feel on anyone right now. Again, these are two teams that if they went on massive winning streaks to get toward a, a championship, I would not be surprised. If they were done before the divisional round, I wouldn't be surprised either. Minnesota loses to Detroit outright as 7.5 point favorites. And I said last week I was tempted to go with Detroit. I was really thinking maybe Detroit's going to do this. And I should have I should have pulled the trigger on that one as Detroit gets the job done. So happy for that team. There are some times where teams are intentionally bad and they get their win. And it's like, okay, well, fine. But you could tell that team wanted it bad. And that team, they have been battling every single week. And it's not a good football team. They're really quite terrible. But to be able to get that win, you just feel great for Dan Campbell and for Detroit. Miami comes up with another cover as they beat the New York Giants. It's... It's the same story with the Giants over and over and over again. You just don't feel confident in the group that is running this team. And it was Mike Lennon at quarterback, so it's difficult. But, like, Saquon Barkley does not look like the Saquon Barkley they drafted second overall. And now Miami, That this was not a test that was going to, okay, well, now we see what Miami has. But they've lost these games before this season. So to get the job done there was was very important. Philadelphia back on track as they cover at minus seven over the, the New York Jets. The Jets, again, the Jets are bad. We knew they were going to be bad. Gardner Minshew comes out with the, the win for, for Philadelphia. It's amazing this guy is a backup when you see some of the, uh, the, the starting quarterback play. Um, Bill Simmons talks a lot about how he should be the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a few teams that he could be the quarterback for, and I, I think they would be doing quite well. So uh, a nice showing for Gardner Minshew and another guy you feel pretty good about. Uh, again, th this was this was a bad week in the NFL. Like I, I was saying to my wife while we were watching the, the CFL playoffs, it doesn't feel like a week that I'm, I, I feel like I'm missing a lot by focusing on Canadian football instead of uh, the, the game down south because it's... It just looks so bad right now um, on the the schedule for for the NFL. There just there wasn't a lot. There was not a lot there from an NFL standpoint. Uh, where were we? Tampa Bay covers that minus eleven again. Tampa Bay just does not have the firepower to get close to to Tampa Bay. Same thing for the Rams against Jacksonville. They get the job done. So we were looking good. We had just two losses in the morning slate. And then the afternoon slate comes and the Raiders had them. All we needed was a straight up win and it was looking good. And then it was looking real good when there was an interception right in the linebacker's hands and he drops it and it leads to a Washington win. And this is why this Raider team is so incredibly frustrating because again, you see them come out and they are back on track. This, this offense looks great and they are potentially either a missed pass interference call or just a missed deep ball to Zay Jones away from winning this game, but this is not a game that should have been particularly close. And so now, once again, you just have a Raider team that we're wondering what exactly 
are they? They've beat some good teams this year, but man, they've lost to some bad teams this year. And that is going to be something that I think haunts them and something that they're going to have to look at as they go into an offseason of change. Baltimore does not cover against Pittsburgh. They don't even win. The Steelers come away with a victory in a sloppy AFC North matchup. This is one I want to go back in and really take a look at because what the hell Baltimore? This... Pittsburgh is a fantastically coached team. There's some X's and O's things that Tomlin does that can get a little bit frustrating, but that the the talent disparity is is pretty wide. And I think for Baltimore, you are starting to see the the running back injuries coming up that's really causing problems for them because that this is a team that wants to run the ball and they don't have the guys who can run the ball. So it it gets very frustrating for for Baltimore, but th- this was a team that again you were looking at as maybe one of the best in the league and they lost to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh frustratingly continues to hang around. San Francisco it looked like okay, back on track. Big one against the Vikings. Oh, they've lost to Seattle. The, the San Francisco team is just so up and down. It is so difficult to take them seriously. And Seattle, that, that's a, a good win for Seattle. They're not done yet, but they kind of feel like they are done. But it's it's it feels like too little too late for, for Seattle. And for San Francisco, fool me a thousand times, shame on me, that I bought into them. The Sunday nighter at Kansas City covers, minus nine and a half. But again, they just look bad. And th- this whole thought that, oh, well, the teams are playing cover too. Teams have been playing cover two for a very long time in the NFL. That this isn't this isn't a new phenomenon that the cover two was just invented and Kansas City now has to find a way to work around it. Like Andy Reid has probably seen cover two a million times in his life. I am stunned at how perplexed and ineffective this Kansas City team looks. But then you look at the you look at the issues that this team has talent wise and it sounds weird to say, but like offensively, you have the best quarterback in the league, you have a top three wide receiver in the league, and you have the top tight end in the league. And it's weird to say this sentence, but that's all you have. Like, your, your number two receiver wouldn't make many other NFL teams, and your running back room could definitely use some improvement. And you don't have those guys who are going to just be those, like, get open underneath guys like Tyree Kill is phenomenal but like just quick possession like this team is dying for a Hunter Renfro right like they they need that guy to just get open on third and five and make a play instead of trying to push the ball downfield into too deep coverage so it's it's frustrating that Kansas City hasn't been able to figure it out they get the cover but you don't feel awesome about it that leads us to tonight Monday night football with New England taking on the Buffalo Bills and I mean, I've I have thought that the Patriots were overrated this entire season. This is the night that could shut me up, or I could get on my high horse come Wednesday show and just be intolerable. Uh, but th- this is it, it's an exciting matchup. It's the best one we've had on Monday Night Football in a while. It sounds like it's going to be cold as balls out there, and it's going to be snowy, and it's going to suck, and that's going to be a major problem. And look, I I have a couple matchups where I need this one to be low scoring fantasy wise to to come away with a victory. I'm feeling pretty good about that. But this is this is the time for Josh Allen and for Stephon Diggs and for this entire Buffalo Bills team to show that they are as good as everyone thought they were. Because this is not a pushover team, and Buffalo's basically only beat pushover teams all season long. This is the chance to to prove it. I am so excited for Monday Night Football tonight. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. 
Find them on Instagram at Waste of Talent with X's where the A's would be, and find the producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Man, what a day it was for my favorite teams. I had the Raiders lose. I had the Riders lose. The Vancouver Canucks fired everybody. So did the Miami Hurricanes football team. A very strange day for me. Well, well I'm not going to go too much into the, the Miami one. But in the NHL, the Canucks fire Jim Benning, Travis Green, and a whack load of other people. In comes Bruce Boudreaux to get a couple of hands back on the steering wheel as the head coach. We'll see what they do at uh, general manager, but this is a team that needs just a lot of help. And I, I'm i not going to die on the, the hill that Travis Green is just collateral damage in here, but I do think, I, I just wonder what he was supposed to do. Like how, and it does seem like things have gone off the rails like in the locker room, and that's that that's bad. Uh, when it, Like kind of the, the whole they've lost the locker room thing, but this is a pretty bad locker room to begin with. Like I just... You look at that blue line. Quinn Hughes, elite level talent. Oliver ekman Larson playing okay. Tyler Myers, Tucker Pullman, Luke Shen, Brad Hunt, Kyle Burrows. What is he supposed to do with that whole situation there? Like, it just, I don't, I don't and, and well, in comes Travis Hamanick. Well, the day has been saved. You look at this Vancouver roster, it is remarkably flawed. I think Travis Green did the best he could with this and probably got the most out of it that most people could. And I am fascinated to see what the next GM does. And then I think that's like, okay, well, let's see what someone does. But then you realize, what can they do? Because it has been the thing for forever in Vancouver that the GM doesn't necessarily have as much control because the owner wants a say. And... This is a team that the mandate is get to the playoffs every single year. And that's why you've seen such perplexing moves like the Oliver ekman Larson move and why you've seen them bring in guys like Tyler Myers to to try like the Louis Erickson move, going back to contracts that are no longer on the books. This team has tried so many different ways to just squeak into the playoffs so they can have the honor of getting their ass kicked at home twice instead of building an actual winner. And the frustrating thing is, is there are a lot of great pieces you could build around. Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a core that you can build around. And this team has basically screwed it up every way uh, along the way. Adding veterans who can't do anything, defensemen who are holding your, your star defensemen back, that this has been such a major problem, roster construction. And the reason is, is because this team and this ownership group can't take a couple years out of the playoffs. You, you have to continue to be pushing. And... It's not, like, I understand the want to improve is a good one. For sure it is. To say, oh, this team only wants to make the playoffs. That should be the mantra for every team. It's just the way they've gone about it has been piss poor. Instead of building a consistent playoff team and building a team that can sustain success, they just try to throw a bunch of veterans at the wall and just, again... It isn't, the, the hope in Vancouver hasn't seemed to be let's build a team that can consistently make the playoffs and then get into a championship per, um, realm, I guess. It has been, let's just get into the playoffs and whatever happens, happens. That's not the way to run a, a hockey team. So the main thing will be how much control does the next guy have and what can a new general manager do? Because like the, the problems that are in Vancouver, Oliver Ekman's Larson's contract, no one's going to be taking that on. Tyler Myers' contract, no one's going to be taking that on. 
what are they going to do with Brock Besser now? They, they have an interesting decision to to make with him um, this coming off season. So it, it's it is a landmine of a job that is now currently available in Vancouver. But man, I just I feel like Travis Green got the raw end of the deal here. Bruce Boudreaux is an excellent head coach, and I'm I'm fascinated to see what this team now looks like under his watchful eye. But as far as what the next GM looks like, you have to think, okay, maybe something changes, and then remember what team it is, what ownership group it is, and how frustrating um, it has been watching this team for the last forever. Another team that has been incredibly frustrating makes a change as Elaine Vigneault is out in Philadelphia, and this really just puts a cap on an incredibly frustrating and disappointing era of Philadelphia Flyer hockey. They have had so much young talent come through those doors, and every year they're everyone's pick. Okay, this is the team. This is the year that they're going to to make this run, and something happens, and they just don't quite do it. And now this is... This is three teams with Elaine Vigneault. I'm not saying he's the problem, but like that Canucks team should have had more success than they did. And that Rangers team, I'm not saying they should have had more success than they did, uh, but maybe they probably should have had maybe a little bit more success than they did. I think they could have done more to build up that roster when he was there, but still um, a team that had higher expectations than what he achieved. And now this Philadelphia team is in that same boat where there was a a lot of good young talent there that just didn't quite get over the hump. And it wasn't just under Elaine Vigneault that that happened with, but he is the most recent one and an absolute ass whooping over the weekend costs him his job. It's, it's a touch ironic that he gets let go the 20, less than 24, about 12 hours even after the Vancouver Canucks make their change. I guess probably not ironic, more coincidental, but still, It'll be interesting to see what direction the Flyers go in now as they, they've tried to retool on the fly and it just, it seems like it's not working. And a couple of years ago, they were one of the most exciting teams to see where they were going to go in the NHL and now they've kind of fallen off. And I, I they were the team that I think kind of needed a Bruce Boudreaux to, to come in there and boost them up a little bit. So we'll see. It's Mike Yo who steps in now who is okay, but that's not going to make me feel like, okay, well now here come the Philadelphia flyers that's going to do it for the monday show thank you guys so much for tuning in again rate review subscribe wherever possible we're really trying to grow this thing and all of those help out immensely um thank you to i mean if you're at this point you've been listening so thank you for that if you want to get in touch with the show you can do so on social media twitter and instagram i'm at primetime klein twitch.tv slash primetime pk you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com Coming up on Wednesday, my general history podcast with my wife, We Had No Idea, comes out. Uh, She was sick this week, so we could not do one. So, um, or last week, so now this week, we have an episode on Woodstock. And there is a whole lot more there than I thought there was. So really excited about this one. So check that out. It is We Had No Idea, wherever you get this podcast. Aside from that, I'll be on a couple more shows on here this week and the Sports Rundown on the Fresh Take Network. So a whole lot more from me. I'll talk to you guys later. I'm out.